Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning, morning. Show. Today is Friday, August 12, 2022. The weather today will be a high of 27 degrees in Edmonton. Whoop, yeah. Whoop. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. Thank you. Thanks, Everly. <laughs> Who loves Fridays, right? Living for those weekends. <laughs> Am I right? You must have slept well. Hmm? You must have slept well. No, off. terrible. I haven't had a good night's sleep in a while. But not going to let that hold me back from enjoying <laughs> my weekend. <laughs> I'm going to be working all weekend. But I like it. I, I You know, um, that's all I got to say about that. All right. We're broadcasting live, as we do every morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Friday. Uh, if you want to join into the live show, you just got to download the Podbean app and follow the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. You can get involved in the chat here. You can say good morning like everybody else has. And uh, you can. there's also a call-in button. You can call in and ask any questions you want about real estate investing for free, free coaching every morning. Dope. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, you want to do a quick little word from our sponsor before we get into things? Absolutely. DCI Properties. DCI Properties. A lot of people ask us, how do I find a good property to buy? Where do I look? What do I do? Lately, that answer has been pretty easy. We just tell them to visit www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers to get on the DCI Properties exclusive buyers list. These guys have new deals coming out every week with a mix of turnkey rental properties, secondary suite conversions, fix and flips, and burr projects. They give you all the property info, handle all of the paperwork, and if it's your first deal, they even have staff to help walk you through the process. We've bought deals from them before ourselves, and the process was super simple. So if you're an investor and are wondering where your next deal is going to come from, don't wait. Get on their buyers list today. For Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers. Or if you're looking for a deal in Ontario, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. Who's looking for deals this weekend? Am I right? Jeremy is. Jeremy yeah. says he's living for the weekends because his realtor is available for more showings. That's a good reason to love that's, the weekends. That's a great weekend to look forward. Or that's a weekend. That's a great reason. That's a week. That's a great weekend to love reasons. To love like raisins. Like he said. <laughs> love raisins. Who likes raisins? <laughs> this is. Officially the most annoying show ever. <laughs> I apologize for this weirdo over here. It, it, it but I mean, must, if, you, if you weren't awake, you are now. It must be like an emotional roller coaster to experience this show every day. Not knowing what to expect. Not knowing what to expect. It really just, it's, I've, I've said this before, it really depends on the what I'm dealing with <laughs> and my emotional state. And that's what you guys get on the show in the morning. Um it's hardly scripted. Hardly. 
no i no yes. it's not <laughs> i 100% did not script this <laughs> Um, but yeah, it really just depends on how I'm feeling. And, uh, you guys just get to follow along with the roller coaster. Um, <laughs> Taylor asked, is this overtired Wayne? <laughs> I, I have not worked this hard. Like it's still, it's the, the train's still rolling. The, the Wayne train is still rolling. Um, I have not worked this hard in a, ever, ever. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's overtired Wayne. But um, it's better than, than than cranky Wayne. Yeah, cranky depressed Wayne the other yeah. day. Was I cranky the other day? You were depressed. I was unhappy with myself and my decisions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what Jeremy locks up. I mean, uh, I think Jeremy's even got a... Oh, no, it's next weekend. I think Jeremy's doing a little meetup in, in Edmonton at one of his flips um, yeah. there next weekend. So that's pretty cool. Um, Kathleen says my weekends are when I get my chosen work, when my chosen work gets done. Okay. Instead of her hired work. Or her unchosen work. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Oh, wow. Just, uh, skimming through the uh, comments there in the, uh, in the live chat. Um, I thought of something to talk about today. All right. Two things. One, we talked about DCI. Um, we got a new weekly segment, uh, called, uh, deal of the week. Yes. Uh, and we're going to go through, uh, um, a, a deal that they have currently and we're going to analyze it really quickly. I'm not going to analyze it like de- in depth, but we're going to go through a potential, um, a deal that they have available. And, um, if that's something you guys are interested in, you guys can check that out. But otherwise I'm going to go through the deal of the week here a little bit as well. Um, I, I, I found a couple, um, there was there was a tenant, landlord tenant ish d- d- debate dispute that I saw in a local group last night or this morning, um, last night definitely last night, um, and I want to talk about that and how to properly deal with that, and as well, was that the one where you left a very blunt response that I, I always, saw in the middle of the night? Yeah, that was, <laughs> I I'm sorry I I'm not I, no sim, there's zero sympathy in landlord groups from Wayne. Yeah. Um, because know your role, <laughs> know your role jabronis. Um, I swear, uh, you know, if you want to be a landlord, learn the goddamn act, learn the rules, learn the rules. Yeah. It, it's frustrating. And you know what? I would, I, I'd probably, I think about it a lot. Like a lot of those landlord groups, there's a lot of like, really really green amateur investors that we could probably like i could probably provide them some value they'd come over here um you know to this show and they would get a lot more education um they would be much better landlords but um when i read dumb shit (laughs) i i i can't i i can't fake sympathy you know the reason why you're in that situation is because you didn't read the rules um and properly educate yourself before Mm -hmm. you came a landlord um, so I don't give rude answers. I just give, as you said, blunt. blunt answers. It is your responsibility as a landlord to understand your obligations as per the Residential Tenancies Act. I strongly recommend reading through the act tonight and finding your answers to ensure that you move forward properly. Mm-hmm. And then I attach the 63-page act. Mm-hmm. All of your answers are in there. It doesn't take very long. You just go to the table of contents. Voila. You know, 
breach of lease or or termination of, of tenancy or whichever the you know the category is and you read through it bam you got your answer yeah easy i mean we're all guilty of going to the um <clears throat> internet first from time to time for things that we can look up ourselves or you know that sort of thing but like mm -hmm. when when it's like when you've become a landlord and you have this property that theoretically is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. and you're putting strangers in it and you know that you know what i mean like when it's this serious yeah like you should know what you're doing and if you don't know what you're doing if you become an accidental landlord you're not doing it on purpose it just happened to you even more reason <laughs> to mm -hmm. get educated well i mean not even more reason i mean no matter how you get into it that yeah. should be the first thing that you do, whether it's accidental or whether you're doing it intentionally. You should know what the responsibilities of both sides are mm -hmm. so you don't get screwed. Yeah, and, and so you're doing it properly. I mean, like, uh, my, my expectations are, are pretty low for, from, a, from, a, from the tenant understanding the act. Yeah. You know what Fair. I mean? I, I never read the Residential Tenancy Act when I was a tenant. Um, I didn't read it till I became a landlord. I didn't even know it existed. Um, someone told me that there's some like landlord tenant court and you pay $75 to have a hearing and you got to take a day off work. That's, that's the extent of what I knew my knowledge was on like how to properly deal with a landlord tenant issue, which I later learned was the RTDRS. So I don't expect much from the tenants. I don't expect them to memorize a 63 page, you know, act document, but for landlords, I mean, it's your business. Yeah. You know, you got to know the rules to make sure you're doing it properly. And that doesn't uh, mean you're always going to do everything correct. You're going to make mistakes. Eh, I still, I, I learned something new last night. I haven't, I, well, someone corrected me um, or someone found something that I was not aware of. Um, and I asked them to please show me the reference, you know, section of the act where I can verify that, um, which I can get into in a little bit, but. Um, what ends up happening, like you said, you go to the internet and, you know, you ask people and then there's like these common things that you hear, like, um, a lot of people have misconceptions about, you know, people, uh, evicting tenants during the winter. That's a great one. Yeah. Because that's, that's an Ontario, uh, rule, which is not in Alberta, but in Alberta, you know, a lot of people think that it's the same thing. Oh no, you can't evict tenants in the winter. And I can't stand going into these groups and people saying things that are incorrect. And I always ask, please provide the reference material. Please provide. Don't do not give advice unless you are 100% certain. Someone came on here looking for an answer, not for your opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. But I get these opinions I see all the time like that. Another one is that ironically, so it was, was a question, uh, uh, something that we had in the, um, in our master's mentorship group last night. And I'm not going to talk details or whichever else that's private, but there was an issue with a flood. And the question was, am I responsible? Cause there was a water, um, not a flood, but a leaking leak from the bathroom down into the kitchen. And the question was, am I responsible for putting them up in a hotel or any compensation? Yeah. And that's what I've heard for ages that in the event that, you know, the house is not livable, there's no, you know, water, there's no heat or something like that. You are responsible to find them a suitable replacement or pay for their hotel. But I've never seen it anywhere in the act, in the minimum housing and health standards, mm -hmm. nowhere. So where did this come from? Why are people spreading this? Yeah. 
this misinformation. So I, I, I actually tried to look into it last night, could not find it anywhere. So that's just another great example of how you should always double check, you know, yeah. the rules or the acts or the, the standards that apply to your business, know them thoroughly mm-hmm. so that you can act accordingly and in and, 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 and the right way, because, you know, things happen, floods happen. You know what I mean? Not floods, but I keep calling it flood. You know, what accidents happens within, you know, within houses, the more houses you buy, the more likely you are to have, you know, um, water lines breaking or or drains leaking or whichever, you know what I mean? Furnace is going out. So you need to understand what your responsibilities are. And thankfully, you know, we did a lot of, Gabby and I did a lot of research early on. We used to study the act for funsies, but we really wanted to be well-versed in it. Um, And then as well, through our experience over the years, we've ran into different situations where we did not have the answer. And then we went and we sought out the answer through the act, through the minimum housing and health standards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? By calling the right people and reading the right uh, documents as opposed to asking the internet. And uh, I, I think we have a very good grasp of, of all corners and all aspects of being a landlord. Now, what our obligations are and what their tenants' obligations are. So that was another one that kind of came up last night. Same kind of thing. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. You know, let's, let's bust some myths today. <laughs> um, I started off on a really high note and you're going to get super angry, annoyed Wayne by the end of it. But, um, okay, let's, let's check through the comments real quick here. And then I want to talk about the upcoming events and then we'll get into that. Okay. Jeremy just got paperwork for a new flip in St. Albert. Now to find some partners. Very nice, very nice. Um, what else? What else? Isn't the displacement of the of your home the responsibility of the tenants' insurance? See, that's a great question, and you know most tenants' insurance have that, yeah. but not all of them. Yeah. Right. Um, but definitely not the landlord's insurance because the landlord's insurance covers the building. Yes. And the 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 major contents, not not the tenants contents, like covers the appliances, it covers the, you know what I mean, that kind of stuff. Um Annette automatically jumps up and says, This is me. <laughs> I definitely was happy to have the mentorship program to boost or to post instead of a public group. Yeah, yeah. I um I saw that that one come through. And sometimes if I see questions come through in the mentorship group, if it's dinner time, we'll be like Okay, I'll get that in the morning. It's not a big deal. But I saw that one and I'm like, oh shit, I need to answer that one quick. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, hey guys, just a second. I'm going to go step over here and I'm going to answer this question real quick before Annette. Um, because I, I know that can be a very stressful. stressful. Yeah. Stressful thing. But um, yeah, we'll get into that very shortly here. Um, as for tenants insurance, yeah, that's that some tenant, not all tenant, not all insurance policies are created equally. But I've seen lots that have like a tenant placement um, uh, add-on. I'd be surprised actually if they don't all have that these days. Oh, I you'd think I've that, seen some cheap tenant insurance. That, well, all tenant all tenant insurance is cheap. 
there, unless you're adding I like not much. Yeah. You're not um, covering much. No, you're not covering much. And unless they're saying that like their contents are worth like millions of dollars, true. Then their policy is going to be pretty darn cheap. I haven't true. seen an insurance uh, tenant insurance policy more than twenty to forty bucks yeah. a month. If you think that like a full house for landlord insurance to cover the full building replacement of building, fire, etc., is like one hundred and fifty bucks for a three hundred to four hundred thousand dollar asset. Or five hundred thousand dollar asset. Yeah. Then I suppose tenant insurance would be significantly less for fifteen thousand dollars worth of contents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm interested though. Who's yeah. got tenant insurance recently? <clears throat> yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen a policy myself in years. But. Um. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um. So upcoming events. We've got that big advanced fix and flip workshop coming up next. Saturday, August 20th. Um, I updated my link tree. I, yeah, I saw you updated your link tree and then I went and looked at mine and she's like, oh, but she didn't update mine. I don't know your password. Oh, what's that? I can figure it out. You should have woke me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, how many times have I, how many times have I talked about this, about how amazing it is? If you want to do fix and flips, you got to go to that workshop. Yeah. Barry McGuire's co hosting it. So you know it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> Barry's been teaching fix and flips for 10, 15, 20, 20, a long time. Um, we've also got two experts coming in to help with with pretty much the most common questions that we get about fix and flips. Yeah. How do, what, how do I know that like – it's good because I'm afraid that I'm going to miss something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matt Bordian's going to walk through what to look for. Okay. And how do I know I, I got a good deal? How do I know how to find a deal? How do I run comparables? The other common questions we get. Yeah. Calvin Hexter is going to answer those, right? I can answer those questions. I know them, but I'm going to bring experts to show you that I'm not full of shit. These people are experts in their field. They're professionals. They're going to show you. Okay. Barry McGuire is going to show you all the fundamentals of, of fix and flips. Okay. We're going to be going through all the things that you need to watch out for, all the, you know, the top five things that, you know, are going to ruin your deal. And as well, Gabby and I are going to do a very big segment on how to turn it into a business, which is, which is, which is our jam, right? Anything that we do, we don't just do it half-ass. We turn things into a business, we automate it, we make it profitable and we move on. Okay. So that's what we're going to share with you guys as well. Plus a million other things in between, but we're going to go through all the numbers of like how much things cost. Generally speaking, obviously each province, each city is going to be a little bit different, but how to price out a renovation. It's, it's, if it's something that you're interested in, you got to hop on it because there's no other programs like it. I've looked, there's nothing else. Nothing. Yeah. You said you saw a competitor that did one recently. No. Wasn't that you that said it? Uh, somebody said they found a <clears throat> reference to a course that was offered in 2018. That was all they could find when they were looking up. Fixing but I said courses. they were bums and you said they were people that we knew. Yeah. And respected. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. But that was somebody actively searching, trying to find a fix and flip course that they could take. Yeah. Cause yeah. I went and, and, that was all and that I could found. not find anything. Yeah. And that's concerning because like people are asking, how do I fix and flip? How do I fix? And they ask yeah. questions every morning here and like, how do I know this? How do I know that? You can keep asking free questions every morning, but I, I'm watching you. I see you. You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I want to see you take some action. I, I want to show you, you know, in the future as well, in the coming months, we're going to be doing a lot of education on raising capital, which. I saw Jeremy talking in there. I saw a few other people in the comments. I've seen a lot of people talk to you recently. 
I really yeah, I got it all set up. I'm ready to go, but I just don't have the money for it. Well, in the next coming months, we're going to be doing a lot of education on raising capital. It's going to be a lot of workshops coming in that direction because that's I I listen to what people are are, yeah. are struggling with, and I coordinate our content and our education around that. And one of the big things is everybody wanted education on fix and flips. Bam, it's there. Okay. Next thing I'm hearing like right now is that a lot of people are concerned about finding money. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, there is money everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. So in the coming months, be prepared to start learning how to take some action on raising capital as well. Awesome. Okay. Anyways, August 20th, get on that fix and flip workshop. Um, if you want to sign up, there's no link here. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Go to my social media profile. Click on my link tree. Yeah. You'll find the link. If and, you want it bad enough, you'll find it. And if you want a sweet discount uh, for our awesome mm. listeners, use the code Morning Show, All one word. Yeah. 500 bucks off. Uh, yeah. If you can't find that link, I promise you, you're going to have a really hard time finding deals. <laughs> you know how I find it every time I go to, sh- <laughs> to uh, share the event? Our is, Facebook group? Uh, no, no, but that's probably a good place. Well, I just Stan I go to the top of our Facebook group. I go to Wayne's profile and I just scroll down to where he posted it. Yeah, I post it pretty often. Come on, got to be resourceful, you guys. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, okay, we got a little conversation going on here. Uh, looks like people are just having chats in the comments. Uh, Josh says, I need to work on raising capital. That's definitely a skill I've never tapped into yet. Um, You want to know my number one tip about raising capital? Hmm. Complete confidence in yourself. And be yourself. And be yourself. Confidence. That's it. I've been... I have been described as cocky. Mm-hmm. From time to time. Which I'm working on that fine that fine line, the balance between cocky and confidence. But confidence is 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 everything. When you walk into a room and you ask someone for money, they'll smell it if you're not confident. Right? And they'll start asking all the what if questions. Mm-hmm. But if you walk into that room and you believe in yourself, not you act like you you know everything. But just you, one hundred percent believe in everything that you know and your and your and your capabilities. People will sense that, and they won't ask questions because this person clearly knows what the fuck they're doing, yeah. and they believe in themselves. And if I can't do it, then I will find a way to do it, and that's just confidence, mm-hmm. right? And confidence comes from both education and experience. True. So knowing, like knowing within yourself that you know what you're doing, you've either experienced it and failed and learned from it, or you've gotten the education and you, you know, the way forward, those both build confidence with a dash of cockiness, (laughs) with a dash of ego and cockiness. It's the truth. I'm, I, I know myself pretty darn well. There needs to be a dash of ego in there. Uh, I'll remove cocky. Okay. I'm going to redact, um, cocky ego. My ego is my superpower Mm -hmm. because I know who I am and I know what I'm capable of and I know I'm better than everybody else. That's where the jet fuel comes from. That's where the jet fuel comes from. Just be careful. It's like a superpower. Okay. Great power, great responsibility. Don't overuse it. 
Okay. Just be careful with how you use it and what you use it for. But I know it sounds, it sounds from someone outsider looking in, I can un- completely understand how that sounds cocky. Yeah. But I'm giving you the secret sauce right now. I'm giving you the chemical composition of jet fuel. And whether you take it or you don't take it is entirely up to you. But that is it. You, you need to stand up straight. You need to believe in yourself. You need to have a pinch, a dash of ego. And that is how you get, that is how you get everything you want. That's how you get through the hard days. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is how you raise capital as well. That's my number one tip. Anyways, $400 masterclass. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Um, let's do deal of the week. I think that'd be fun. I gotta, I gotta pull it up though. You didn't Where have it. Ready? I have it. I have it. But you know what? Every time I hear, uh, every time that we've been talking about deal of the week, all I can think of. Deal of the week. 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 Every single time. Uh, deal of the week this week is coming in from Mississauga. Bing, bing, bing. I don't have it ready. Dang it, oh. Mississauga. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love morning radio shows. <laughs> um, and from a pretty cool street slash complex, it's called Gananoke. Gannon Oak Drive, Mississauga. Um, this one should be out in your in your email if you're signed up for the Ontario buyers list. Um, this one's in Mississauga, Ontario. Uh, we got a purchase price of five hundred seventy-five thousand. And I know what you're thinking, Alberta investors. Holy shit, that's a five hundred seventy-five thousand dollar townhouse. <laughs> well, first of all, like look at this picture. You see that? Tilt it, tilt it. Okay, Gmail tilty. Thank you. That's a really nice townhouse complex. Oh, wow. Gananok. 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 That is a nice townhouse. Again? Gananok. Yeah. It'll work on your French. Gananok. Three beds, one and a half baths, uh, 1120 square feet. Um, It's vacant, built in 1976. Stop whistling. Sorry. Uh, Original furnace, but it's got a... A brand new tankless hot water heater owned. And uh, they just bought it a few months ago. Um, it's got air conditioning. What else we got in here? Windows were updated four years ago. Roof two years ago. Roof two years ago. Um, so I'm just like looking at the pictures here. And condo fees are 412 bucks a month. Okay. So again, like Alberta investors are like, holy shit, this is this is twice as much as what I pay in Alberta. But this is like a, you know, this is quite reasonable for Mississauga, which Mississauga is like right outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's um, it's on the outskirts of it. Uh, someone's gonna correct me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything within half an hour of, of Toronto is is Toronto to me. Um, but anyways, uh, all exterior maintenance is all taken care of. There's a one spot right out front uh, for parking. Thomas got good bones. It's just like, I'm looking at the pictures. It doesn't need much. Like, check this out. It's in quite good condition. It just needs yeah, flooring. Yeah, probably, probably needs wall patching and a uh, coat of paint. Yeah, so like the texture in the ceiling needs to be done. 
um, because it looks like they were trying to scrape it, but then they stopped. Is that hardwood or laminate? Could be either, hard to say. Anyway, just throw some vinyl plank over top of that. Um, the doors are updated. The walls are painted. The trim's good. This is in really nice condition. Um, you got hardwood um, stairs. It just needs to be updated. So I'm just looking through the notes here. It says uh, suggested renos, junk removal, new floors, as we discussed, updated electrical box, update kitchen, renovate full bathroom, patch drywall and paint. So you got, I mean, do the work yourself, 1500 bucks worth of drywall and paint. Okay, you got a calculator? Renovate full bathroom, five grand. So we're at 6500 uh, Update kitchen, that's a small kitchen. Smaller townhouse kitchen. So I'd say five. Five. It's If it's going to be a rental, I, then that's what I would recommend for this. I'd recommend burring this. Yeah. Okay, so run those numbers. Let's let's run it as a burr. So um, 6500 plus five. Uh, update electrical box, three grand. Is it less? More? I don't three know. to four, I think. Okay, let's go three. Uh, flooring. Um, I'm going to check out upstairs really quickly and just see what the, the, what's the story with the flooring upstairs. It's all laminate slash hardwood upstairs too. So I would put carpet upstairs. For rental? Yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah. So three bucks a square foot for 600 square feet approximately. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's say two grand for carpet upstairs, including stairs. Downstairs vinyl plank is that's a 700 square feet times four bucks a square foot. Installed, yeah. So that's, uh, do some math, 2,800? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll round it up to 3,000. Okay, we're getting there. Junk removal, 500 bucks. Is that exactly $20,000? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty sweet. 20,000 bucks. We got a purchase price of $575,000. You're into it for $595,000. Okay, so let's look at our comps. We got comps of 620. And these, these three comps are in the exact same complex. Complex, yep. Um, you've got 620. You've got 675. And you've got 775. That's good comps. They're all relatively, um, they're not brand new comps. Um, how do you know? Uh, right after the price, it says in one of them's April 2021, November 2021. Okay, so go with the most recent. The most yeah. recent one was 775,000. And that was uh, 1,020 square feet. And the subject property is 1120. Yeah. So it's a bigger unit. And this unit's been updated since, like the exterior's been updated. So I'd say that's probably going to be your best comp is the is the one from November 2021. Um, of course, they'll take into account other townhouses in the general area, but that's a good comp. That's a very good comp. Now, things might have maybe leveled out a little bit. Cooled down since then, yeah. Because that was November. So I'd say it's maybe somewhere in the mid-700s. I'm no realtor, and I don't have accurate comps. But if you're going to burr this, that's the question. If you're going to burr it, what appraisal value are they going to use, right? If you're burring, it doesn't matter what it would sell for. It's what, what the is for? the appraiser, what comps are the appraiser going to use? And that's that's a comp that an appraiser yeah. could use potentially. 
it is about nine, 10 months ago, but same thing. It's the most accurate. So um, in that event, if you were to use that particular comp and say that the after repaired value is um, 775,000, if you were to get a new mortgage on that for 85% or 80%, sorry, new mortgage would be 620,000. How much are we into that house for? 595? What was the purchase price? 575? 575 plus yeah, 20? 595. So we're into it for 595. The new 80% loan to value of 775 is 620. So the new mortgage 620. That is a perfect burr with $25,000 in cash in your pocket. Yes. Yeah. If those are the numbers, are all correct. Um, even if you got a $700,000 um, after repaired value. Sorry, appraisal. I mean, you're that's that's a hundred and five thousand dollars worth of sweat equity mm -hmm. right even if you don't do the burr you don't do a refinance you're into it for 595 your mortgage your down payment everything else you're into it for 595 and it's worth 700 yeah that's that's a big profit on yeah ryan asks what would you have to rent for at a cash flow that's a great question. I yeah. don't have that information. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the rental uh, market in that area, it, and it doesn't supply it here. But someone who understands that market will know much better than we do. But uh, it looks like, I mean, a great burr opportunity if you can just verify your numbers. So you know, double check the numbers always. Um, <laughs> Jeremy says, but you'd have to have a tenant in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, we do have lots of Ontario listeners, Jeremy. <laughs> And you know what? Like, you know, I know a lot of the live listeners in the morning, they are uh, Alberta, Alberta. But yeah. at the same time, you got to understand that, you know, this is a completely different market in Ontario. It's a completely yeah. different market in BC. So this is I think this is a good exercise is to, to, to familiarize ourselves and, and to get educated on different markets mm -hmm. and to see if there's opportunities. Um, you know, Alberta has not had appreciation in like 15 years. Yeah. Um, we've been pretty much a flat market. We had you know, little peaks. Right. But yeah. otherwise, nothing. And this is a market that's, you know, seen a lot of appreciation over the last little while. So yeah, looks like um, a cute complex. I like that front it's picture. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. You know what I found? Southern Ontario has nicer townhouse complexes than Alberta. Yeah. Saw some pretty rough run, rough ones when we were in St. Catharines. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe. But I, I just feel like, well, those... The cities are so much more mature. Is it because there's They're lots hundred... of brick ones? Huh? Is it because there's lots of brick no, ones? What I'm saying is, is that <laughs> like, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that they're, the cities are a lot more mature. They're hundred year old cities. Yeah. Right. Whereas Edmonton's like, I don't know, 60, 70 years old. You know what I mean? There's a lot more mature. They're basically, they're taking a lot more pride in, in what's already existing yeah. as opposed to growing like like alberta is constantly alberta is just like growing like a like a like a virus you know what i mean they just keep growing on the outskirts and the cities just keep, keep getting bigger until eventually calgary and edmonton will touch mm -hmm. which you know who knows leduc might touch red deer pretty soon <laughs> it's a stretch you never know <laughs> you never know all right well you know what i'll keep this clip and in 40 years if we're still doing this podcast um I'll be like, remember, I said it. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. Gabby's fact-checking me right now. 
Yeah, Wait, I, Wayne said that Edmonton's like sixty to seventy years old. I was like, well, what are I'm, you talking I'm, I'm about? I'm sure. Bud? Yeah, okay, horse <laughs> and carriage. Yeah. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> it's not as okay. It's just not as developed as Southern Ontario was. Yes. Okay. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um. Cool. Okay. So, if you want to see that deal. You should be on DCI Properties Buyers List. Yeah, go check that out. Yeah, um, I know that Julie's on the list because she was following along. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. It's an end unit as well, and yes. um, hence the bigger square footage. Yeah. If you guys are curious what I'm talking about too, just um, hop on the buyers list if you guys are already on it, um, and then just go pull up your email and look up the Gananoke, uh property in Mississauga. Um, that purchase price of five seventy five has the assignment fee built into it. Keep in mind. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, we talked with Ryan yesterday about, um, you know, how that all works and everything. Um, so you don't have to worry about an assignment fee on top of that. Okay. Gannon Oak, 575. Looks like a perfect burr. Hop on it. <laughs> and that was the deal of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, and that's, that's one of the downsides. Like, I we talked yesterday about, like, potentially jumping off the whole Podbean thing and going to Facebook Live again. But like, I really like, that is one of the cool features that I like to have is, um, is the sound effects, like the ability to have yeah. our sound effects. We also had some concerns from our listeners yesterday about um, fan of the month. Top fan. Top fan of the month? Yeah. What do if you we're mean? not on Podbean, how do we get a top fan? Mm, yeah, it crossed my mind. It crossed <laughs> my mind. Um. It'll just be a new competition. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I'm missing things. Yeah. But at the same time. We like, try to analyze everything, like go through it all. But. We've been doing this uh, We've been doing this live for almost a year now. And yeah. um, I, I like it. I like it. I like the setup. Um, it was a lot of work to get people to transition to this new app. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's easy enough for Facebook. Everybody will get a notification that they're live. And they're like, oh, cool. This is nice. Right. But. To get people to to jump on a new app is is difficult, um, so it took some time. And but now you know we're getting on average you know fifty to sixty listeners every morning live, and then hundreds later. I get it. Just, most people can't be up that early, but um, so it just seems like it's it's all that hard work just to to get off it. It's kind of yeah. tough, but yeah. and you know yeah the top fan I get it. It's uh, we'll find we'll find a new way to to um reward reward our loyal listeners that's yeah. the word i was looking for <laughs> reward um julie said sorry where did the comps come from or where did them. you find the curbs yeah. comps <laughs> wow you're struggling she found them okay yeah. uh are you not concerned that i might be having a stroke <laughs> call 911 Please don't. We're good. We're good over here. Uh, okay. Um, I think I'm catching up on the comments now. Uh, Jeremy says we should talk to them about the tenant laws in Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. That that's one of these days. I'll have uh, one of these days. I'd love to have a uh, an Alberta uh, tenancy act uh, versus other provinces. This tendency acts. Um, but like, I can't ask 
like an expert in Ontario to come on and basically <laughs> shit on their province. <laughs> like if I did, I'd probably I'd probably ask like like Tony Miller to come on. Like Tony's awesome. He's he's out in Ottawa, and uh, he's a big advocate for like landlord rights and and um, he's he's an expert on it. But like to ask him to come on and be like, hey Tony, can you let's compare them? Let's yeah. compare them so we can just shit on your province's tenancy laws, <laughs> and which he'd be down for. But at the same time, like he's you know he's probably trying to raise capital and stuff like we that too. Also, for his own that's I really like that idea, and and we can do that ourselves. Like think of like the top five um, areas of of the tenant laws to compare and just do the quick research. I'm sorry. Are you going to do that research? Because I don't do research or prep for the show. <laughs> we'll vet it out to Jeremy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 100%. Like, well, <laughs> that's exactly what my thought was as well. I'm like, okay, if, I, if there's going to be any research, I'm just going to get Jeremy to do it because I don't want to. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm I like to focus in on what I'm working on and that's, that's, that's about it. But. Yeah, Ryan says Wilson and Jess. That's true. We could ask oh, them for the call. Ontario side good of call. things. Yeah, very good call. Yeah. And we'd need somebody from BC, Winnipeg, maybe. <laughs> hmm. Maybe East Coast. That'd be that'd be like just a cool thing to to know, right? Yeah. Apples to apples on some of the big topics. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Um. What's his name? Uh, Jeremy. I, I was talking about the Hyperloop between Calgary and Edmonton mm-hmm. and how uh, it's very likely that uh, it all will all, will all be connected very quickly. Yeah. At the very least uh, with a 15 minute train red, that train red. I think I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> but Kathleen has said, if there's a Hyperloop, a uh, big train coming between um, Edmonton and Calgary or Edmonton Red Deer and Calgary, um, then I would not choose to be living. I would not choose to be living in Edmonton or Calgary, yeah. which is which is a very in- interesting concept um, and thought for the future of you know our in- investment um, uh, market. Is that you know we always kind of focus in Alberta on Edmonton, Red Deer, and Calgary, the, the three big you know mm-hmm. hubs there. But if there's trains, you know, if there's a train stop to Edmonton and Calgary in Red Deer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are the markets around Red Deer going to start growing? Oh, 100%. Because you're only a 15-minute train ride to, to Calgary or Edmonton. Yeah, if you could, if your commute was from a smaller area outside of Red Deer and you can drive, you know, 10, 20, 40 minutes even into Red Deer and hop on the train, mm-hmm. I think that tons of people would do that. Well, you know, I'm not going to compare Edmonton and Calgary to Toronto because it's not the same. However, this is a big thing that happened in Southern Ontario when they, when they built the train or they extended it, you know, to cities like Welland and Thorold and stuff like that suddenly were exploding because you could take a train in St. Catharines, you can take a train to Toronto very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. And pretty much every city along the highway there along the the, the railroad the rail it's not a hyper train though is it no yeah because when i looked into what that train ride would be from train ride is hard to say i just stumbled on it Thank too you. um from st Catharines to toronto it wasn't that fast i mean it was faster than driving but yeah yeah i mean you certainly want to wouldn't want to take the highway yeah that was an awful drive mm-hmm. something to think about 
I mean, I'm not exactly hopping into, you know, small towns around Red Deer quite yet. But, uh, I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm. That would probably also cre create demand for rental properties in those little smaller communities as well. Yes, for sure. Uh, I, I, for, for a time, I think that people are going to take advantage of the, the lower rents and the lower purchase prices mm -hmm. until eventually it, you know, the demand increases and then it'll just go up. So, yeah. um, if you're ever looking at opportunities, there's, there's opportunities right there. I mean, I don't, I don't, who knows if it'll actually pan out or not. I, I, no one has a crystal ball, but it's something to consider. Did I say that we were going to talk about, uh, f um, uh, water leaks and stuff? Uh, yeah. Like some tenant landlord stuff. I just realized we got 15 minutes left in the show. Um, <clears throat> let me just uh, get myself together here. Just trying to remember what was going on with that. Uh, so we got a, a, a question last night in the REI Masters Mentorship Group. And it was, um, there was a leak from the upstairs bathroom into the kitchen downstairs. And it was a significant amount of water. Um, I'm just pulling it up right now so I can get my, my facts all together. Substantial damage. Uh, had the plumber go and shut off the water when we found out. Um, they were going to assess the damage last night. Now, the question is, if we have to leave the water off, what are our responsibilities? Do we put them up in a hotel? Um, our insurance likely won't cover it. Um, so what's, what's the responsibilities if there's a leak, you know, that, that, that went through the ceiling into the kitchen and they don't have any water because the water mm -hmm. had to be turned off until a plumber can come in and, and find the, the source of the leaking. Mm -hmm. Right. And they need to be able to cap it off. And having your water turned off in your house is, is pretty big. Uh, you don't have I drinking mean, water. You, you don't, don't have drinking have water. Your toilet washer, doesn't flush. You toilet. can't have a shower. Are you going to talk over every every point I say? Yeah, <laughs> you're waiting for the next one. <laughs> Go ahead. Did don't... I say you cook? You cook with water, like you cook with water. A lot of the time. What hot dogs? Boiled, boiled pasta. Like... Hot dogs. <laughs> I mean, like you. Of course, the cooking thing isn't a main concern. Like you can order in or whatever, but uh, like it's pretty serious. Yeah, I mean, if you were planning on boiling hot dogs, yeah. I mean, like, what if you need to take a poop? Yeah. Right? Depends on how many toilets you have in that house. I mean, you're only good for one or two before <laughs> you're capped out. It's, it's, um, it, put yourself, I think what you're doing currently is you're putting yourself in the shoes of a the tenant. tenant. Yeah. And if trying that happened to, to me, something that wasn't my fault, I didn't overflow the tub, like the plumbing leaked. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, you're expecting to have, uh, uh, a working, operable, safe place to live and something happens, you would assume that's the landlord's responsibility to, to, to make sure that it's rectified. Um, at the very least, to have drinking water and, and flushable water. Mm -hmm. um, so it's sad. It's sad that someone, you know, went, went through that. But there's also your legal responsibilities. And so... And what morally... I, what Moral, you decide to do. Yes, but I'm talking about legal yes. right now. Okay. 
moral responsibilities and legal responsibilities. Okay. So what I did is I answered the legal side of it mm -hmm. because uh, when someone asks me a question of what am I responsible for, or what do I need to do? I'm going to give you the facts, just like I was talking about earlier in the show. I don't give a shit about your opinions. I'm going to show you the facts and then you know what your obligations are and then you choose what you want to do. But don't come to me, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm never going to give my opinion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I'm always going to give the facts. I'm going to give reference material. Mm -hmm. So in a situation like this where there's no water or the house has been damaged or whichever else, uh, for you Alberta investors, because I know the, the Alberta Residential Tenancies Act inside and out, there is nowhere in the Alberta Residential Tenancies Act that states anything remotely close to, to regarding this, okay? It does not cover unlivable spaces or water damages or water supplying or mold or, you know, um, missing windows. It does not cover any of that. The Residential Tenancies Act doesn't even cover the legalities of a basement suite or egress windows or anything of that sort. It does not cover it. And this is why I say every landlord needs to read that act because it's not in there. Okay. For minimum housing and health standards, that is in a completely different standard called the Alberta minimum housing, housing and health standards. Okay. So if you ever have an issue with mold or lack of water or lack of heat or, um, uh, leaking roof or missing windows or things like that, the minimum housing and health standards fall under that standard. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what you need to, you know, a tenant would need to, or if you want to know what your requirements are, what your obligations are, or if a tenant is wondering, Hey, is this right? Is this a legal suite? Um, they would have to call AHS and refer to that standard and file a complaint. Okay. So we had this a, a few years back, many years back now, where we had a mold issue in one of our newer uh, rental properties. Yeah. And they were saying, you need to hire an abatement company. You know, we got a quote, $15,000. We're getting them to come in next week. We're sending you the invoice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we did our research to find out that what our actual requirements were, right? And um, I called AHS to, to verify. And, and that's when we learned that, you know, how much mold um, needs to be present in a, in a certain surface area in order for us to hire a company. And if it's less than that amount, which we learned was an eight by four sheet of drywall, it would need to be mold larger than an eight by four area where you need to hire an, um, a company to do it professionally. Otherwise, you go grab some Moldex, a couple rags, and a respirator, and you just clean it up. So there was a huge debate about something like that. So we learned this process during that during that dispute or that debate. So the same thing for this water issue. You need to go and check the um, to see what are the requirements for you as a landlord, um, so you meet the minimum housing and health standards. Now I learned last night that drinkable water is a minimum requirement. Mm -hmm. Okay. But here's how the process works. 
a tenant can say, I just read AHS's minimum housing and health standards, and it says I'm supposed to have drink, running water and drinkable water. Yes. That does not mean you cannot pay your rent. That does not mean that I need to cover your hotel. Does not mean anything. Okay. Because the, the Residential Tenancies Act is completely separate from that other standard. Remember that. So you are still required. That house could have no windows, no running water, and no heat. You are still technically by law responsible to continue paying your rent. Yep. There is no justification in any circumstances ever for a tenant to break their lease or to not pay their rent. They have to continue. For anyone that tells me that the, the, the landlord-tenant laws are not fair and it's not fair to landlords, I look at this. It's very fair. Okay, so there's a process. So in the event that there wasn't running water, what a tenant has to do is they need to call AHS, they need to reference the issue within the, the, you know, the standard and file a complaint. AHS will send a representative out to the house to verify the issue and they will submit an order to the landlord to rectify the issue within a within a period of time, and the period of time will will be will vary based on what the issue is. Will vary de- de- depending on the um, the severity of it, yeah. right? If a hurricane came through and there was no roof, then I think that they would say, "Can you please fix this by the end of the day?" Right? Well, they, they don't. <laughs> I'm sure, lots. If a hurricane came through, there'd be lots of houses without roofs. Tornado, and be tornado's better. Just <laughs> the hurricane wouldn't be. I'm just thinking like if it was middle of the winter and it was a cold snap and there was no heat, they yeah. would probably say you have till the end of the day to get heat running. And within that order, they could also say that you are responsible for, you know, covering their hotel stay or something along those lines. But to be honest, I don't think that they ever would. They would say that this needs to be fixed right away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's why I was really confused on like where this whole like you're responsible for their hotel stay came from. Mm-hmm. I, I can't find it anywhere. If you can find it, send it to me. Okay, so they're going to give you an order with directions on what needs to be done and in what period of time. If you fix that problem within that period of time, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Okay. Life goes on. Life goes on. Yes, you are responsible for providing that drinkable water and the running water. Yes, you are responsible for it. But if you fix it between that to, before the time is up for their for that order, then you're fine. And you do not owe them anything. That's it. Yeah. So from a tenant perspective, that fucking sucks. Yeah. You mean to tell me that I went six days without water and there's nothing I can do about it? Technically, yes. From a landlord perspective, that is how you cover your ass. I'm talking legal right now. What you decide to do and how you decide to compensate for them, that is, is entirely up to you. But you need to know what you're responsible for. Okay. In the event that you do not fix it within the set period of time on that order, now they can take that order to the RTDRS and file a claim, which is the resident. Now, now you're going back to the Residential Tenancies Act. Now you've now you're going over to the landlord side. Sorry, the landlord tenant side, not AHS side. You take that order and you file a claim for termination of the lease based on the unfulfillment of that, not, not rectifying the issue in that, in that order that was provided by AHS. So basically saying that it's an unlivable space. You need the order from AHS in order to file for a termination of lease. If you do not have that order, 
then a lease, a fixed term lease cannot be terminated unless both parties agree. Mm-hmm. And you are still responsible for the rent every month. There is no excuse for never paying the rent. Okay. All the way up until your hearing, all the way up until you get a judgment that says you can terminate the lease. Mm-hmm. You still have to pay your rent. If you don't pay your rent, you're going to have to pay it back later as a tenant. Okay. So the tenant has to file that hearing, file a claim for termination of tenancy, termination of the lease based off of the AHS order that was not completed. You got to wait like four to six weeks for your hearing until you get your judgment and then you're no longer responsible for the rent. Now, during that hearing, the the mediator there for the RTDRS, they can now use their discretion. They could say that this was not a livable space for the last six weeks or eight weeks. And they can say that, you know, they're not responsible for the rent and that you, the landlord now owes them money to pay them back for the rent that they paid you for the last eight weeks. Mm -hmm. That's possible. You can have, they can, I mean, they can do whatever they want in that particular case, right? And if the, if the tenant has receipts for hotel bills that they had to live in a hotel for eight weeks, but still paid the rent on their unit, then they could file a claim to be reimbursed for the hotel receipts and all the food that they lost in the fridge and everything else. And, and all the things that were damaged that wasn't covered by insurance. They can part of that claim of termination of the lease. They can also add in all the receipts for their losses and all their expenses that were incurred during this time to which the mediator can also provide a judgment for that. And the tenant will go after the landlord for that money. But that is the process. It is extremely fair for the landlords because the landlords will always get their rents so long as, you know, until there's a judgment. But if you were a, a dick and you just said, no, I'm not fixing it. And it went eight weeks where someone, you know, didn't have a place to live. Just know that you're going to, you're going to owe it later on down the road. But nowhere in there is, are you responsible along the way for their, to covering their hotel? Okay. Unless of course there's a, there's a judgment later on and you like just ignored the whole situation and you know what I mean? Weeks, months went by and they had to live in a hotel, but is their responsibility to cover that? And then they can come after you for those, for that. But just remember if the AHS order comes in and you've got one week to fix it, to get the running water back on. And yeah, there might be some soggy laminate floorboards and stuff like that for a little while, but that is that does not, there's nowhere in the AHS, you know, minimum standards that says that, you know, that, that that's a reason why, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's no mold. It sucks for the tenant, but as long as the water's turned back on, then the minimum housing standards are met. Mm-hmm. So if it gets turned back on tomorrow, because the plumber couldn't come in last night, then you don't know them anything. Yeah. Um, I think that in these situations, and I think that landlords often don't realize really what a tenant's insurance does cover. And um, often you'll see on these landlord pages, the debate, like, am I responsible for this? My, my insurance says it won't. And they say that their insurance says that it won't and blah, blah, blah. So there's people really don't understand insurance policies very well. And I think that in these situations, when 
you feel like something has happened in your unit, whether it's their fault, whether it's not their fault, whatever, something happened. And they may not be able to stay there tonight, maybe for a couple nights, and they need to leave. You should always recommend that they check with their insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So if they're saying, are you going to pay for my hotel room? You know, and they're getting all angry and upset about the situation. Tell them to contact their insurance policy and that that's what tenant insurance is for. Mm -hmm. Start there. There's even things like we had um, a fridge in one of our units just this past uh, last summer that um, there was an issue and it wasn't holding temperature. Yeah. So it was warming up and their food was going bad really quickly. Like it was still, it was still cool in the fridge, but it wasn't but keeping the really cold temperature and um, we'd get it fixed. And then it would happen again a couple months later. And it was like this whole thing, like over the span of, I don't know, six or eight months. Yeah. Um, we kept thinking it was rectified and then it would happen again until finally we replaced the fridge. But there was uh, multiple situations where um, the tenant's food had gone bad. And so she's a lovely tenant and she never demanded anything from us. But I was like, my God, should I like send her a couple hundred dollar gift card or something? Cause you know, she's getting frustrated, Yeah. but she's, she's still being pretty reasonable about it. And, um, and I learned through that process because why, why would we ever think about this, you know, um, on a regular basis? Like, okay, what happens if my tenant's food goes bad? Yeah. You know, that's not something that you're going to pre-plan. Um, but tenant insurance We'll cover that. That is their contents. Something happened in the unit and their contents went bad. They can file a claim with their insurance. That's, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's tenant insurance does help your tenants just as our insurance helps us for our contents, our buildings. Like, you know, we get insurance so that when shit happens, we can have it replaced or like whatever it may be. So it's often something that people, um, don't think about and and immediately go to, oh my God, what am I going to have to do? Do I need to put them up in a hotel? Do I need to give them a $500 grocery card? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? When we should always start with, check with our insurance policies. Yeah. Have your tenant check with theirs. You call and check with yours and go from there. Yeah. Get the answers before you start panicking. Yeah. I, I We're just at the end of the show now and there's, there's, I, trust me, I could. This I could, is a big topic. It's a very yeah, big topic. I can go three more hours and do a full masterclass yeah. into it. <laughs> um, but when we talk about other things, other little um, procedures that we put in place, you know, communications through email and not through text and phone, um, you know, uh, a, a level of separation there and, and we never get to know our tenants and things like that. All of these things are for these worst case scenarios that happen because we need a level of separation. And what I, what I basically told um, uh, the investor, I, well, she added herself, so it's Annette. What I basically mentioned last night was that what I would recommend is just emailing the tenants. Well, this is an emergency, so I probably get on the phone with them. Um, but also document it by email afterwards, a summary. If you ever have a phone call, summarize it in email. As per our conversation on the phone, here's a summary of what we talked about, yeah. right? So that it's, it's clear and it's outlined and that there's no disputes later on about he said, she said. But let them know that we are extremely sorry for the inconvenience of this. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we rectify this as quickly as possible and get the water back on. We've contacted the plumber and we're waiting to hear when they can get out there. That's it. Don't make any other promises. 
as soon as you make promises, you give them an inch, then it's almost like they're they're gonna be like, where you say, and if worse comes to you know, worse comes to worse, we'll put you in a hotel. You say something like that, then they're gonna expect a hotel. And then later on, you find out their insurance will cover it. And then you're like, well, actually, your insurance covers it. Well, why should I be doing a claim on my insurance when, you, you know, you should be paying for it. This is your house, your responsibility. And what about my groceries? You give a little bit and it's almost like you kind of have to stay firm, right? Be professional. Treat it like a business, like a professional business would. That's why people hate boardwalk. <laughs> it's because they treat it like a business, among other things. But um but you need to do that. And then what you decide to do after the fact, if you decide to compensate them, if you decide to, you know, give them a gift card to, to cover their hotel stay because, you know, their hotel wasn't covered. That's entirely up to you after the fact. But you got to treat it like a business and stay professional and just let them know that you're going to do everything in your power. And if they come back and say you're responsible for this and this and this and this, then uh, again, a professional email response saying, as per the minimum housing and health standards and the Residential Tenancies Act, we're doing everything within our power and within our obligations to make sure that we get this rectified as quickly as possible. We understand your frustration. We please, please be patient while we work through this and we will do everything we can as quickly as possible. That's it. Yeah. And they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you regardless. So just get over it because you know, it's a huge inconvenience and just put yourself in their shoes, but yeah. that's how you do it. And ultimately how you deal, how you decide to handle it afterwards is entirely a, up to you. Um, but it is not technically your responsibility and that's the loss. Yeah. Can, may I add something in here before we wrap up? Sure. Um, this is also a really good time to stress the importance of getting a physical or an email, like whatever, but like an actual copy of your tenants, uh, tenant insurance, insurance policy. policy, um, with their name, the address and the policy number on it and who the provider is. Because in these situations, if they say, yeah, I, I talked to them and they won't put me up in a hotel or whatever, and then you talk to your insurance policy uh, provider and they say, well, no, this is like this gets covered under tenant insurance, whatever. Mm -hmm. If they at that point, you can give your your broker or your policy provider the information on your tenant's policy and the insurance companies can talk amongst themselves. Yeah. So it can, you know, maybe the tenant didn't even call them. They just said like, no, I talked to them because they don't want to file a claim, right? They said, I talked to them and they said they won't. Um, but maybe they didn't even make that call. But yeah. you have a copy of their policy. You can follow up on it yourself or or have your brokers talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's um, it's a pretty unfortunate thing that uh, Annette's going through. And I, yeah. and I, I, it's just stressful. Like those stressful. are those stressful calls or texts that you don't ever want to receive. Yeah. But... I hope you can understand, like, just like everything else through experience and confidence. We talked about confidence earlier and obviously experience as well. When you deal with the situation once, you know, I saw her message and, and I knew that this is probably a very stressful thing she's going through. So I'm going to answer as quickly as possible. But I saw it and I was like, fuck. But that's the extent of like how emotional I would get in something like that as well. Yeah. Depending on how busy I was, you know, to find out about something like that. You're like, okay, fuck. Who do we call? We got to call the insurance provider. We got to call Stu or Plumber, and that's all we can do. And we send a professional email. Yeah. But that's it. There's no sense in stressing over it anymore. That is the, the steps. And once you understand how to handle every situation, you don't. You don't. It doesn't affect you as as. Yeah. If if Wayne and I got if Wayne and I got that email or text or phone call last night, that's literally the extent of what would happen. Be like, okay, 
can we find uh, somebody to go out there to turn off the water right now? Yeah. Okay. And then can our plumber get in tomorrow to, you know, fix whatever's happening? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, okay, so what damages need to happen? Okay, call the handyman. It'll be repaired on Tuesday. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. Like we would, we'd sleep just fine and we wouldn't think about it any further until the morning when we had to find out if the handyman's available. Yeah. And, and you'll get to that point, um, you know, Annette and everybody else, you'll get to that point where you've dealt with it before or you heard it on this podcast and you're like, okay, this is what I need to do. And it makes running your business so much easier. But there is a bit of a learning curve for everybody. The first time you experience it, it'll be a little stressful, but um, it gets easier, significantly easier. Yeah. Um, if I keep talking, it'll be another hour. So yeah. I think we should wind her down. Guys, um, go check out that deal from DCI. Um, go check out your local residential tenancies act and your minimum housing and health standards, <laughs> a little bit of re- reading material for your Friday night. <laughs> and, uh, hope you guys have an awesome weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Are you going to say goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the real estate investing morning show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 